Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? I am holding up pretty well, Scott, after having walked about 20 miles in the last two days, but all worth it. Yeah. Do tell, do tell. Well, so, you know, the Heritage Golf Tournament, which um, was is now an elevated tournament. They doubled the purse money, uh, yeah. prize money. So uh, now a whole bunch more golfers that we've heard of play it. Um, and it went into, we got free golf yesterday, but you know, they had a sudden death playoff between Jordan Spieth and Matt Fitzpatrick, yep. uh, who ultimately, Matt Fitzpatrick, who ultimately won by hitting the ball that close from about 180 yards on the hole. just in, truly impressive to do that. So, um, yeah, it, but it was a lot of walking, huge crowds, uh, and um, I am, uh, I despise waiting to park. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, just couldn't bear to ride a shuttle. So I rode my bike, which was not a huge ride. But after having walked around all day, I'm feeling it. <laughs> well, it sounds like a great time. It was a great was. tournament. Weather was gorgeous. Yes. Um, there weren't three days worth of weather delays like it was uh, last weekend. And, uh, you will have to get pictures from from Greg White, especially as you rode your bike. I didn't take pictures while riding my bike. <laughs> I did see uh, some people who shouldn't have been riding their bike. Just on one trip home, I saw a bald eagle <laughs> wow. crash into a tree on his bike. Okay, and a deer jump out in front of a of a moving vehicle. Oh, Man, the the whole area that the course is in is uh, it's a big housing development. Yes. Also a nature preserve. So just incredible. I mean, alligators everywhere, all, all the fun stuff you see on television. Man, okay. Uh, well, maybe Mutual of Omaha will sponsor the, your next your next golf adventure. But hey, regardless, folks. It's still around. <laughs> I don't know. That's a throwback for sure. Uh, and, and a little tie-in maybe for some of our listeners. Uh, Animal Kingdom was a a, a a program that came on decades ago and was famously sponsored for years by Mutual of Omaha. I can picture the host uh, now, but uh, we'll save that for uh, Marlon Perkins. Is that right? That uh, sounds sounds about right. Sounds about right. Maybe someone in the uh, in the cheap seats can can help us out there. Mutual of Omaha still exists, Scott. Just for your oh, really? Okay, all right. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, well, folks, today. No, we're not talking golf. We're not talking Animal Kingdom or an insurance. We're talking supply chain. It's a supply chain buzz. Live Indeed. show that comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. As always, Greg and I and many of you will be discussing a variety of news and developments today really across global business. And, hey, we want to hear from you. So give us your take in the comments. We're going to say hello to a few folks momentarily. And, Greg, in fact, if yes. any of our listeners or viewers are listening or watching to the, pod, uh, the podcast replay of this, hey, we invite you, 
consider joining us live on LinkedIn or YouTube or one of the other social media channels of your choosing. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, Greg, Mm -hmm. let's share a couple program notes, and then we're going to say hello to a few folks. We want to invite you, all of you, to our next webinar session. We had one heck of a webinar last week. Y'all may have caught that one, all focused on uh, supply chain planning. Well, coming up on May 4th at 12 noon Eastern time with our friends at Evenflow and Infor, we are diving into what running a data-driven supply chain means to Evenflow as they've gone through supply chain transformation uh, that's helped power them through this crazy environment we're in, uh, driving successful outcomes, including driving customer experience uh, or optimizing customer experience. So, Greg, should be a great session on May 4th, 12 noon Eastern time, right? Data-driven is the only way to do it. I have to mm. confess a minor distraction. I have Pearl Jam going through my head right now. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, the bar has been raised. We've asked for a seat at the table. We've gotten it. We've gotten the awareness that we wanted. And now we have to continue to earn it. So data-driven, metric-driven supply chain, absolute must. Yep. And if you can learn from a company that's doing it, right, it's, uh, it's free. That's, that's right. That's right. And we guarantee uh, your your admission charges. That's right. right. Satisfaction guarantee. And right. little, uh, I love what Greg said there about uh, Pearl Jam. Even Flow was a great tune and I think one of their first big hits if you're yeah. a music lover. Uh, so I love how you work that in there, Greg, as always. Okay. Um, so that's webinar next week. But this week, we've got uh, a wonderful live stream coming up this Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time. It's part of the um, the supply chain now OGs. It's uh, mm-hmm. Paul Noble uh, and Nick Griffith with Verison. And we're going to be talking about some opportunities for savings and reducing friction and a lot more that might be right up under your nose. Greg, I know you know this uh, really well, huh? Yeah. I mean, there's a, a ton of, of value out there. Look, we keep asking the question, how many parts does it take to build an F-150? All of them. The parts that go into creating the parts or moving the parts or assembling the parts, all of that matters, too. I think the layers that exist in the supply chain, this is a great opportunity to discover what those layers are, how to impact those affirmatively and make sure that the supply chain keeps moving and keeps moving cost effectively. That's right. Folks, join us. I, I promise you, you're not going to miss it this Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time. And we dropped the links both to the webinar. Uh, there in the chat, as well as to the live stream. So you're one click away from making wow. it really easy. It's like we have done this before. <laughs> Not we, Scott. Well, we, okay. We, yeah, it's like the pros behind the scenes have done this before. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Greg, because it don't, I've forgotten. So last night we've been watching, um, and Amanda, remind me of the title. It's a dating show on Netflix. And last night, Greg, if you saw it, um, millions of other people saw it. Netflix decided to live stream the finale. Whoa. However, I'm not sure they have live streamed previously. So they had a massive, a massive collapse. Folks couldn't connect. What? Yes. Netflix, the, the billion dollar player in, in all the world of streaming, uh, had some serious issues live streaming. And that reminded me, Greg, to your, to what you said a minute ago, folks, just because it looks easy <laughs> doesn't mean it is easy. So That's if Netflix can uh, can run into some challenges, anyone can. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, Greg, let's say hello to a few folks. And uh, Jonathan's back with us via LinkedIn. Jonathan, hope this finds you well. Always enjoy your perspective. Uh, this is Susie Martinez 
from uh, L.A. And we're not talking lower Alabama, Greg. No. Um, Mom is with us back. Welcome in Leah Luton from Aiken, South Kakalaki. Natalie tuned in again via LinkedIn from Charlotte, North Carolina. Great to see you, Natalie. Joseph Moretta. Joseph Moretta. Wow. Been a while. Blast from the past. Yeah, welcome back. I bet he hails, Greg, uh, if he's still in the New York City area, I believe, doing some great things, including creating some great podcast content. Uh, This is Felix from Scotland. Felix, hope this finds you well. Mark Preston is back in the house from Peachtree City, GA. Mark, hope this finds you. He just got back from Starbucks on his golf cart. (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, and then hey, look here, Natalie said that she started her supply chain career, Whoa. I would say a couple decades ago. Well, you yeah. know, that's our rule. Right. More than with even flow, Greg. Huh. How about that? Small world. So I would love to have you join Natalie and judge harshly. I judge harshly. Are they going now <laughs> versus when you were there? Absolutely. Uh let's see. The uh Valal? Perhaps uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. If I got your name wrong, please let us know. We want to get those right. And then finally, Sheldon is back with us, present and accounted for. All right. A good day to all. All right. Greg, are you ready to get started? Yes. God, I am. Man, we got a bunch of work, a bunch of work to get into. I want to share one more resource with folks. With that said, this was a fun LinkedIn newsletter to put together, Greg. Supply chain factoids, air and sea. And so we had about 21,000 subscribers read over the weekend. Uh, Some of the things we're going to tackle here today, the busiest global airports, and and number one, won't surprise you probably, and the busiest U.S. container ports, seaports, and a lot more. So so make sure you sign up for With That Said. It hits every Saturday or Sunday morning, and uh, it offers a different twist on the wide world of global supply chain. One that isn't a surprise, of course, is Atlanta is the busiest airport in the world. That's right. Every year since 1996. But how high Georgia ports landed was surprising to me. And what that tells me, Scott, is there's a lot of volume going through Brunswick. Yes. And a lot of it, of course, vehicles because of all the automotive production that's done here. So you're so right. Stuff. And folks, if you dig that kind of stuff, you're in good you're in a good spot because we're going to dive into those top 10 lists here towards the uh, the bottom, the bottom of the hour or towards the second half of the show. Your pick, your pick. Uh, which... Bottom of the hour. Just think about where the hand's pointing. Okay. Bottom of the hour. That's, uh, thank you, Greg. I, I, I know I can count on you. Um, all right, folks. Uh, let's dive into our first topic here today. I'm going to bring this up here. Um, this is interesting. And and I would tr- I would treat this as good news. I really think this is good news. Um, at least from my perspective. So from an e-commerce delivery standpoint, Greg, we're seeing signs that consumers are starting to realize, hey, I don't need those socks and toothpicks rushed to me by tomorrow. That's great. Right. And it appears it's a new trend for consumers are being a little more patient when it comes to delivery. For example, uh, the Big A, so Amazon Delivery Day program they rolled out, I think in 2020, it focuses, as, as many of our listeners may know, on delivering one day a week to Amazon customers, cutting down on deliveries and packaging. So volumes, subscribers to this service have doubled since 2020. Mm. Uh, as this article uh, that comes to us from our friends at the Wall Street Journal points out, in a recent survey by Popout Inc., e-commerce sh- uh, shoppers that preferred same or next day delivery dropped from 18%, which sounds to me low anyway, but according to their data, 18% to 10%. Mm. 
And then other surveys that y'all find in this article show that overall delivery speed is overall lessening priority for consumers. So, Greg, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this development. Thank heavens is what I have to say. I was just thinking, Scott, about us kvetching about uh, Christmas at 2020 with all the boxes that we had stacked up in our respective garages after the holidays, right? Right. And, you know, what an effort we put in to try and do that. We have been Amazon delivery day customers, whatever you want to call it, from virtually the very beginning. So our day's Wednesday. So if you ever want to steal anything off my front porch, Wednesday <laughs> is the day to do it. Um, Scott, I don't know what your day is, but I can't wait to hear. But um, I, I think what's important is rec- uh, the recognition that we aren't buying a ton of stuff that we didn't have before. Now we're replenishing things. It's easier to get out of the house, right? We um, and And people want to get out of the house. I mean, you know, have always, I think, wanted to, right? I still have some things delivered and I still appreciate two-day delivery, not necessarily yep. from Amazon, but Costco, uh, because our other house, as you know, is on an island. So it's, I don't even know. I don't even know how many miles. It's like 90 miles to the nearest Costco, which, yep. you know, is torture for my wife. Uh, <laughs> and hello, Vicky. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think I think it's good that there's some sanity here. I love the idea of <clears throat> scheduling it. And finally, people, because now that we're back to spending our own money, right? That was part of what this article was about. Because we're back to spending our own money, we care how much it costs to yep. have things delivered. And demand for same day and even hours or 15 minutes delivery has gone way, way down on those yep. things. I think we're learning to plan a little bit better. But isn't it interesting, Scott, that nearly three years, well, three years since the shutdown, the lockdowns of the pandemic, we're still seeing the ripples of those, what I would have argued, what I would always argue are temporary shifts in the economy. And they're just, some of them are just starting to filter their way out of prominence in the economy. Yep. I think we'll start to see it more towards the second half of this year. We're going to talk about, I think everybody knows what I'm alluding to, but we're going to talk about the economy and 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 where it's going, at least in the States, and where it's gone in other parts of the world. But I think we're going to see some economic headwinds to excessive exuberance and, uh, you know, get anything right now at any cost. Yep. You know, um, there's so much to talk about in this development, and, and this isn't overnight. This has been uh, gradual, right? right. But I, I go back to when I read this. First off, this is this this kind of um, it's aligned with with how I've always, um, or at least for the most part, approached my e-commerce decisions. Right? I hate I hate the notion, as you were alluding to, of all the not only all the packaging, but man, all the trips for one small little package here, one item there, whatever. Um, so I love what's taking place here. And, you know, I think also, uh, Greg, is um, it, it thinks it, it comes, what comes to my mind is your comment about, you know, consumers are the beginning and the end. And hopefully, and I'm, I'm going on, I'm, I'm make, make a little leap here. Hopefully consumers really have had that eureka moment but that, hey, if they value sustainability and, 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 uh, em- uh, and reducing empty miles, all the things, well, they play a really active role. And if we can shift our thinking that we don't need those two picks next day, we don't need that pair of woven socks same day, 
you know, if we can really play an active role in changing those expectations, it really will help global supply chain to make more gains uh, when it comes to um, all things uh, sustainability and, and then and then some. So I think that's that's really why it's good news uh, in my ears, Greg. You, I know you're dying to, to comment here. Your faith in humanity is so encouraging, Scott. Mine is a little bit more, I don't want to say practical, let's call it pragmatic. And that is when it costs more, we will do less of it. And, yeah. and it should cost more because of the inefficiencies that are inherent. And I think people are finally succumbing to that. Look, I am a firm believer that economics drive every company's and every person's virtually every decision. Yep. And um, because companies absorbed that for a long, long time and can no longer, now it's back on the consumer and the consumer won't, won't absorb it, at least for now. Right. Yep. I think we, we have to acknowledge this sort of false economies that we've lived in for the last two ish years with right. the government subsidies for us existing, um, which was nice. I didn't get any, but I'm sure it was nice for those <laughs> who did. And now that we're back, like I said, now that we're back to spending our own money, yes, our altruism will show through our saving our own money. Yes. Right? We will become accidental environmentalists, mm. right? Like, my great great grandparents who said things like turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth you're wasting right. water shut off the lights in you know when you leave a room you're wasting electricity right they weren't i wouldn't say they were against environment you know saving the environment but they weren't solely focused on it right, right. They were focused on what impacted their pocketbook and when Doing worse for the environment impacts your your pocketbook negatively. That's when you'll do better for the environment. The phrase that comes to my mind as you shared that is, hey, I don't care what you call me as long as you call me. And a little twist on it, I don't care why you do it as long as we're making gains when it comes to these sustainability initiatives. Just do the right thing. Yeah. Right. That's right. Just do the right thing. And as we've talked about, we don't have to dive deeper here. Doing the right thing can really help the bottom line. That's where we're that's seeing true. some leaders out there, right? Uh, acting on that. That's an entire discussion unto itself, which we have had from time to time, we'll have in the future. But I and you and I align completely on this, and that is I firmly believe that you can do the right thing and create profitability, better profitability, better cash flow, and impact on your company or your personal life. Absolutely can do it. Yep. Agreed. Super aligned using uh, modern day lexicon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's say hello to a few folks. Uh, Mohib is back with us. Professor Mohib, he's been forever. Yes, he's been busy, though. I mean, if you've been following him, it's easy to see that he's been busy, right? There's a lot going on at Wichita State University. That's right. (laughs) Well, so he has, and I've seen him uh, really active in the project management space, which is great. He's always doing great things for his students. So, Mohib, hope you and your family are doing well. And he says Pearl Jam was way ahead of his of, of, of their time on supply chain. Even even flow is the theme song. Synchronize supply chain parts, information, and cash. Right. I just rolled. Mohib, you paint a wonderful picture, and I love your how you wove in one of the greatest bands of the 20th century. There, everybody who's ever heard that song is now it's now going through their head. And it probably should be like it's like he said, a theme song. 
Right. Point. We know, hey, maybe we can get Eddie Vedder to join us on our webinar next, uh, in May when we. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> probably, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and, and Greg, you still can't make me laugh, man. That, that's, I'm still getting over the pollen. Get the doctor's office. Yes. You get the doctor's office. That's right. I got to get there. Um, all right. Let's see here. And folks, we did drop the link to that first read. Hey, y'all check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, don't take our word for it. Uh, hey, Tom Rafter, good to see you. Appreciate your content. You're cranking out all the time. Is he in Sevilla? I believe. Still in Spain. Yes. That's a great memory, Greg. Man. T-squared holds down Fort Force on YouTube. It's Monday. Bring on the nourishment. It's coming, T squared. It is coming. I like how he writes the accent in there. Um. <laughs> I do too. Um, and folks, if you're not, if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, hey, why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? It's easy. You can see it. You can hear it. You can comment. And uh, as T squared has said in previous broadcasts, there's not as many um, um, firewall issues. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Donna, Donna K. Great to see you, Donna. Love the excessive exuberance, Greg. Is that anything like irrational exuberance, she asks? Yeah, but I'm a sucker for alliteration, so I always change it. Also, I cannot remember who the Fed chairperson was when, who came up with irrational exuberance. Was it Bernanke? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, um, but love that. Yeah. I do, too. I do, too. And, hey, you know this guy. I remember uh, Eric Wilhelm. He loves how cute we are together. Eric, hey. Thank you. We appreciate that. We got matching, not matching quarter zips, but we've got quarter zips. <laughs> we got quarter zips for days. Eric, hope it's been a while. Hope this finds you well. And uh, I think you still do it. I love your charitable golf tournament each year that you put you and, and the team have put on and invested in and really helping kids and families. So hope this finds you well. Good, great to have you here today. I think Eric has sold yet another company. Really? Recently. Yeah. Man. Pretty much he finds a hole in the market, fills it. And then somebody else comes and goes, hey, we'll have some of that. Right? <laughs> and he just goes and does it again and again. Oh, again and again. Rinse and repeat. Oh, my gosh. And I just told him what my – he lives right behind me, and now he knows what my Amazon day is. God. He's going to be your, – your package is going to be gone. That's it. Greg. That's it. At least we'll know who did it. All right. So let me share. I'm gonna, we got a lot of comments here. I'm going to share uh, two quick ones. Uh, Tom, uh, I always say that being sustainable shouldn't cost more. The opposite. Because so much of sustainability is about getting waste out of systems, it should be cheaper. Exactly. Well said. I mean, I think we have to confess that there is a lot of slack in the supply chain. And exactly to Tom's point, we can benefit by taking that slack out. And that slack impacts um, ESG as well. So, Excellent point. Thank you, Tom. And I know you're very passionate and, and put out a lot of great content along those lines. Amanda, get back to comic relief. She said, I had a substitute teacher in seventh grade course that wore fringed cowboy boots and sang even flow for us. She'll never forget it. I bet those words paint a thousand pictures there. Um, All right. So, Mm -hmm. Greg, (laughs) where are we going next here? Let's see what we're covering next. I think we are going to dive into some of these economic uh, trends that you speak of. So, Greg. Beyond economics, also some industrial trends here in the U.S. as reported by our friends at Reuters. So here's the core numbers. I'm, I'm, this is a full article, lots of moving pieces. I'm going to give you the, the TikTok version of the of what was delivered here. Retail sales fell 1% in March, which is more than expected. The decrease, uh, Greg, was seen generally across sectors, except one bright spot was online sales, which were up 1.9%, as folks maybe were out there looking for deals. 
Now, according to data from the Fed, manufacturing production fell 0.5% in March, and this comes on the heels of what we thought was good news in February, where manufacturing production had increased 0.6%. Lastly, perhaps some good news here. We'll see. We need a lot more data to roll in. Some signs point to inflation retreating. But Greg, I got to tell you, at the grocery store this weekend with Amanda and I, I saw no signs of re- of inflation retreating. So, uh, Greg, your thoughts on these economic and industrial trends, and then some. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a sign that uh, what the Fed is doing is working. The intent is to slow down the economy. And what uh, was a bit of a surprise for me was that retail sales are mostly bought on credit. Hmm. It makes me wonder how many people buy it on credit and then immediately pay it off. But I had never really thought about the fact that, at least in the States, right, that so many people buy retail goods on credit. Now, they're not talking about grocery. They're talking about goods other right. than grocery. But um, <clears throat> I, I think that I think that shows that it's starting starting to slow. But I think we have to recognize that that does not mean prices are dropping. That just means they're continuing to rise at a rate less than they were rising before. Excellent point. Preach that louder, folks in the back. It's the rate. It's the rate versus the actual absolute dollar value, right? Right. Nothing is going down in prices. Housing, some housing. Rents, in some cases, though, are are starting to go down. Um, and we're gonna we're starting to see some impact on the commercial side of that. Um, but yeah, prices are not, they're continuing to go up at a at more than double the rate that the Fed has as a target, which is about mm. 2%. So inflation is still rampant, and uh, we continue to see it. Uh, you know, At least it's not accelerating, but I think the Fed is a long way from, from backing it down. Honestly, I mean, again, I'm going to... I'm going to qualify this with my usual statement, which is not an economist, but right. write every bit as often as they are, which is almost never. Um, I think it was a mistake for the Fed not to have gone a half a point the last time. And I think we're going to continue to see this will not, again, my prediction, this will not, this next uh, raise of rates will not be the last one. Yeah, I think they're there. And, and also, I'll preface this by saying, not only am I not an economist, but nothing I've ever done in my entire life reflects that uh, one iota that I am even a potential economist. No, no interest. That's not my gift to be on this earth, folks. But uh, to Greg's last point, I think we're poised for another increase in May. Um, and overall, yep. Greg, if I'm not mistaken, all these rises is, is one of the biggest um, uh, fiscal uh, policy changes in, in decades by the Fed. The yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Greg. Right. And, and also, by the way, based on the 80s standard um, measurement of inflation, we're at virtually the same inflation rate, mm. except for interest rates. We're at the virtually the same inflation rate as we had in the 80s. But they've changed the inflation rate measurement to filter, I would argue, obfuscate. Mm real inflation. That's a good word. Obfuscate. One of my favorites. I'm going to learn how to spell it and use it one day. 
Um, all right. So enough about economics, folks. Y'all check out. We have dropped the link uh, to that article right there in the chat. Y'all want to click away. Let us know what you think. Uh, a couple comments here. T-squared says price gouging is alive mm. and well. Uh, Catherine says, I'll say nothing's going down. It's still $2 for a can of beans at my grocery store. Hey, same. Mm. I feel your pain. Uh, let's see here. Greg. Greg Studer from the, the pride of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I believe, says, ask 10 economists the same question, and you'll get 10 different answers with the same data used. Greg, yeah. great to have you here. Greg, I think you, Greg, I think Greg's right. I think all Gregs are right, especially in this case. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. That is right. All right. So, Greg, great to have you here. And uh, let's keep driving. I want to share, you know, a minute ago we touched on uh, Eric. Uh, and and one of his big charitable initiatives each year. Well, folks, this is one of ours, right? And there's other things that, that certainly we invest in and support, but uh, this Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine initiative, which has sadly been going on for over a year, well, it's still in need, right? There's still a ton of need out there. So the next planning session that really drives these efforts, and when I say these efforts, efforts to get uh, almost uh, – a million tons of humanitarian aid to families in need in Ukraine and Poland. That's right. Working together uh, with, with uh, led by Vector Global Logistics and the ecosystem that they've really pulled together. Man, the numbers are big, eye-popping. Well, all of that's driven by these monthly planning sessions. So we invite you to join us for the next one, May 9th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to say anything. You can just sign up and get a sense of what's going on. Greg, uh, your comments around this program here. I'm tired of talking about this program, honestly. It's yep. a travesty that this is still go, going on, right? Um, but, I mean, as long as it is, it, it's something worth listening to. It's something worth supporting. Um, and, and it's a really good cause. It is. There is no overhead taken. Whatever you donate goes straight to those in need. That, yep. to me, is the most important thing. Yep. Agreed, folks. And you can, we dropped a link in the, uh, the chat. You're on one click away from checking that out. Um, all right, so moving right ahead. Uh, now, this is cool. We talked about this on the front end of the show, and I want to share some of these numbers here. So first off, Greg, mm-hmm. let's talk about um, the world's busiest airports. Now, this data came out from our friends at the Airports Council International, ACI World, um, and this came out in early April, right? So number one, as Greg mentioned, was Atlanta GA. Uh, and that shouldn't surprise many folks. Uh, but Greg, one of the things that did surprise me, and, and folks, when we talk about busiest, this is, as you can see there on the graphic, this is total passengers in plane and deplaned. Passengers mm-hmm. in transit counted once. That's a little note from the ACI about the data. But Greg, I was surprised how many U.S. airports make up the top 10 um, in the latest figures here. And, and, and I'll read these off for anyone might be might be listening uh, to the podcast replay. Atlanta, number one. Dallas, Fort Worth, number two. Denver, Colorado, number three. Chicago, number four. Dubai, uh, number five. LAX, number six. Istanbul, number seven. London, that's Heathrow, uh, number eight. New Delhi, number nine. And Paris, number 10. Greg, your thoughts here around uh, these busiest airports? I'm honestly a little bit surprised not to see Frankfurt and uh, Amsterdam in in the top, uh, they have always been very busy airports, um, and it is 
incredible that there are so many in the states that are uh, so busy. Uh, yep. But I mean, it, it you know it just goes to if you look at the change versus twenty one against the change, you know versus. Uh, 2019, you can see there's still a lot of opportunity to come back to volume levels, which seems impossible t- for me to understand. If you, I mean, if you've been on a flight in the last year or so, right? They all seem crowded, and I can only guess that there are fewer flights, and that's why they're packed to the brim. Yep. So I don't know. What do you think, Scott? I, I think well, packed to the rim with brim. Sounds like a, a commercial from the '80s, I believe. Like coffee? Yes, it was. It was a terrible. Um, and sorry, if Brim is still around. I used to drink it as a as a kid because I couldn't make coffee, but I could make instant coffee. My mom let me make that. <laughs> it's a little bit different. But uh, back to these busiest airports, it's interesting to look at uh, to your what you were calling out, Greg. Uh, the 2019, the 2021, and 2022 rankings. I mean, look at this. Uh, Dubai, or um, yeah, look look at Dubai. They're number four mm-hmm. in 2019. They were 27th in 2021, mm-hmm. and then back to fifth in 2022. One, and if you go to Istanbul, uh, Turkey here, they've had a more of a gradual progression from 28th in 2019 to 14th in 2021 to top 10, number seven mm-hmm. in 2022. Heathrow, of course, is, is no newcomer to this list, as as I think you mentioned. Right. You know, it's one of the world's busiest airports for for millennium, it feels like. But um, but I wouldn't and and I'd love to dive in deeper here, uh, with that with Dallas and Denver, not so much Chicago, but Dallas and Denver being two and three. That was surprising to me, Greg. Yeah, I I can't I can't explain those. Uh, one, Dallas, I believe, is an American Airlines hub. Mm. I'll be going uh, through it today on my way to the the uh, sixth largest airport, LAX. Yeah. Um, and Denver, I think, is a United hub. Ah, there we so go. It probably has something to do with being a hub for some of the larger airlines. Yep. And remember the good old days when Chicago or Chicago or Tokyo were the busiest yep. airports in the world. And those were, in some cases, the old days. Well, and you would know, and I'm not. I'm not going to put your your status out there, but you uh, you have been flying airplanes and have flown a lot of them. So uh, I bet you could almost write a book on, on your travels, Greg. But uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your. Yeah, if it hadn't been just for business, I probably could. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen as you know as as I've told many people, I have seen uh, the inside of airports taxi cabs and hotels in some of the most beautiful places in the world. <laughs> They're back in a hurry. Um, well, folks, check it out. we got a link here to that to this data. You'll also see uh, Air Cargo and its rankings there. And you're also looking at those numbers. You'll see kind of the, uh, the market that has been in. But check it out. Let us know what you think from the data that was released uh, about two weeks ago. All right. So, Greg, not only are we going to cover airports, but we're going to cover U.S. container port seaports. So check right. this out. So this is from our friends at Supply Chain Dive, one of the, a great source for all sorts of uh, of content in supply chain. I like the whole Dive family of publications. I know we talk about retail dive here a lot, but uh, they've got a whole family. So check out this is um, this is I only put here the top five. They put as you can tell with this graphic, they they built a top twelve list. But I wanted to, to really look at the top five because Greg. You mentioned this on the front end. Mm. Georgia Ports comes in number four. So I'll just read these from top to bottom. 
This, again, shouldn't surprise anybody in terms of the rankings, but let's look at the trends. So number one, Port of, Port of L.A. Number two, Port of New York and New Jersey. And this, again, is, is uh, busiest, basically busiest container ports uh, 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 in 2022. Uh, number three, Port of Long Beach. Number four, Georgia Ports. Number five, Port Houston there in Texas. Mm-hmm. But look at the five-year trends here, Greg. Uh, the Port of L.A., has gained about 452,000 uh, TEUs, 20-foot equivalent units uh, in those five in that five-year. But the Port of New York and New Jersey, up 2.3 million TEUs. Uh, Port of Long Beach, up a million. The Georgia ports, 1.5 million TEUs right. gained in the last five years. And, of course, that's a 33% increase for those ports, for the Georgia ports. That is man, an incredible lift. Same for Houston. And, you know, a lot of that we've talked about over the last, gosh, three years, three years now, that a lot of that was the shifting of goods coming from China to Port Houston and, and Georgia yep. ports as well. And, of course, you know, New York. Um, except for maybe Boston, the nation's biggest and most long-running uh, commercial ports, right? So, mm. well, uh, fascinating list. Y'all, y'all, y'all can check out the full uh, top twelve list. Uh, clicking on this link here, and again, big thanks to our friends at Supply Chain Dive that um, put out great content and uh, data-driven content. That might be the phrase of today. Um, Greg, we are just shooting through, shooting through on news topics here on this busy Monday morning, April 17th. Tough, tough to believe we're already, man, we're halfway through the fourth month of 2023. Where has time gone to your point? Um, all right. Next couple topics here. I want to share um, a couple of our series, uh, Greg, that folks should, hopefully is, are um, these series aren't new. To our listeners, but you know, one of the things we are very passionate about, Greg, is supporting our veteran community here. Right? Um, one of our longest-running series have been Veteran Voices, and look at there, Veteran Voices has published their seventy-seventh podcast episode. Uh, this one features David Trinnell, a U.S. Navy veteran. A great conversation, of course, led uh, Greg by the uh, uber talented Mary Kate Saliva, um, an Army veteran doing wonderful work. Uh, but Greg, you know, when we think about the veteran journey and uh, veteran overall veteran experience, especially here in the 21st century, when, you know, man, we've been at war for two decades. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about and we, and we support regularly, dating back to, uh, I, was, I was asked the other day, hey, when did you meet Greg White? And I was like, well, he was on the show early uh, before we worked together. but where what really stuck out in my brain, Greg, beyond your wonderful perspective and expertise that I get a kick out of um, a couple times a week. But if you remember back with the, the Georgia Logistics Summit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 20, what was that, 2017 or something? Whatever it was. or 18, yeah, right, yeah. So uh, we uh, put an effort together to send 100 veterans at no charge to them to this, to this big um, um, supply chain event. It was Georgia Logistics Summit and Modex co-located. Right. And um, we had to put together money to make that happen because I think the charge was you know, 60 bucks 
per ticket or something. And we didn't want the veterans to come out of out of pocket to be able to, to network and find jobs and, and gather market intel. Well, Greg, and I know you, you don't tout this, but this is, again, I was being asked where we first met. As I started to raise money uh, as a broke young entrepreneur, I said, hey, Greg, this is what I'm doing. And Greg, I don't think I finished a sentence and you had written a check and sent it my way. And then better yet, you took that donation and you rebel roused the rest of the board members to see, okay, look here, I can't be the only one doing this. And and we we met our goal. Yeah. Not only did we meet our goal, but we got uh we we coordinated with a hundred veterans to get out. And Greg, I think of the um the art of creating your own luck because we didn't expect these veterans to actually have job opportunities at the summit. We knew that conversations may go, you know, may produce a wild variety of things. But Greg is one of the companies I think that you were advising actually wanted to hire veterans. Right. And they offered, they were offering jobs at the event for, to some of these folks that came out. Yeah, that's right. I was running a startup at the time uh, that was predominantly owned by the same investment group as this group that builds uh, fulfillment warehouses. And I didn't even talk to the board about it. it you know, I mean, it, it, I think it was for 10, maybe yeah. 10. You're uh, right. Veterans, right. And I didn't, you know, so I didn't talk to the board about it, but then I just mentioned it to one of the board members and they're like, Hey, we want to hire vets. So can you let them know that we want to do that as, you know, as they come in and yeah. And it worked out. Yeah. Serendipitous that, right. Oh man, absolutely. And, and again, all this is kind of uh, anecdotal uh, to, to, to our listeners and viewers as I was uh, reflecting on this Veteran Voices program and kind of its genesis and all the different things that has, have transpired ever since. This was a big early um, uh, early event in our Veteran Voices programming. You're finding real tangible ways to support our veterans, not um, in uh, not lip service driven, but really you know trying to you know, get them in events. And in, in this case, as Greg shared. Man, if you can remotely help find jobs, I mean, that's what it's all about. So the particular motivation for me and you, Scott, is your your experience with transition, which you were fortunately successful for, but not mm. every. It's not as it's not as not simple, but it's not as uh, successful for for every veteran. And what we've realized over time, Scott and I, from doing this, is that the uh, military culture is so insular. They have their mm. own language. They learn logistics in the military and assume that, and and they have no other uh, basis of reference other than to assume that that's how logistics works elsewhere because right. literally logistics was defined by the military thousands and thousands of years, <laughs> right. years ago, right? So, so what lo- logistics has evolved to in the civilian realm is far different than what it is uh, it, what it exists as in the military realm and creating that translation between military and the civilian realm is really, really critical. Understand, I think it, Scott, really requires companies to understand military logistics at whatever level we are allowed to. All right. You know, and what it moves and how, how things move and to what end and, 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 you know, and that sort of thing. So, that you can create a frame of reference for the veteran because the veteran is not going to be able to do that. It, right. It's not, it's not because of lack of anything except of, except frame of reference. When you are in the military, you don't discuss how civilian logistics occur right. at all. And therefore you have no frame of reference. It's just like you think your mom's apple pie is the best apple pie because you've never had anything else. Right? <laughs> 
although it may be in some cases. But but I think that that initiative, if I could encourage employers or people who are trying to assist with that transition, is to understand that transition and and be able to speak both languages, both the civilian realm and the military realm of logistics, to say, okay, if you have these skills or you did this thing in the military, that applies to how you might, uh, you know, to this aspect of logistics in the civilian realm. That building that bridge is really really critical. Yep, hundred percent agree. And folks, as Greg is uh, is calling out there, man, lean in to the veteran talent pipeline. Because once they're given that frame of reference, once they're charged with their responsibilities, they can figure it out, right? They can figure it out. And, and you know, there's civilian, um, uh, and I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to typecast, but, you know, because folks, more and more hiring managers ha- hadn't served in the military, sometimes there can be, since they don't understand everything that Greg is just kind of sharing there, they kind of pull back. Don't do that. Don't. That's there's a human element at play there. Don't do that. Lean into the veteran uh, talent pipeline, and um, man, you can really meet or help. It'll really help you address your overall staffing uh, needs. And yeah. Greg, yes, sounds like being a good leader, reaching out and helping others. Great story, Greg. Uh, amen. And whether it's for veterans or or any other group, man, just just acting on in a very tangible way lending a helping hand, regardless. We're all charged with doing that. Um, all right. So, again, I want to point you all back to Veteran Voices, the great work that U.S. Army veteran Mary-Kate Saliva as host is doing. Check out the latest episode that we've dropped. Uh, we also put it in the chat there uh, featuring uh, U.S. Navy veteran David Trenum. Uh Greg, also want to call out uh, Digital Transformers doing great work. Uh, Kevin L. Jackson, the fearless host there, one of a kind. He, he led a, a great episode last week focused on cybersecurity, network modernization, a lot more, uh, presented in partnership with AT&T Business. It featured Helen Yu and Sally E, Dr. Sally Eves, I should say. Mm-hmm. Outstanding conversation. Y'all check that out um, wherever you get your podcast from. You can, uh, just like you can with Supply Chain Now or Veteran Voices or Digital Transformers, you can search that out and uh, download and subscribe. Greg, man, a lot of stuff going on. I, 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 meant to, I meant to make one more point when it comes to veterans because we've got an episode coming out, Greg, with uh, Tom Harview, who is the Chief Supply Chain Officer with BJC Healthcare, 22-year Army veteran that then transitioned into the healthcare space. And BJC Healthcare is one of the country's largest nonprofit healthcare organizations. Hmm. It is the state of Missouri's largest employer. I think I've got that right. Um, and he is a case study of why, why there is such a tremendous opportunity with engaging, hiring veterans, and getting them involved in your supply chain, and then some, and and what they can do. And, and not only what they can do, but how they can lead and how they can serve as a force multiplier for your organization. Uh, Greg, we've covered a lot of ground here today. Um, and we've got a couple more minutes. You've got a big trip coming up. You're going out to, um, can I let the cat out of the bag? Sure. Okay. So you're headed out to LA. Are you going to get one of those delicious in and out burgers? I likely will because there is an enormous in and out right next to LAX airport. Ah, I'm not going out there solely for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Man. No, actually 
I'll be there on Wednesday, which is my Amazon day. Some stuff is being accidentally shipped to LAX, so I decided to go get it. Totally kidding. Um, well, I'm not really at liberty to announce uh, right. what I'm going for till later. All right. Um, but in the next week or two, okay. we'll be able to do that. So I can't wait. I can't wait. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll do it. Uh, the buzz will get first dibs. We'll see. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, hey, uh, let's see here. This LinkedIn user and Catherine Amanda, let me know who it is. Assists with students finding workforce options. Some want to pursue U.S. Army options, and they appreciate our comments regarding helping veterans and job support. There's so much opportunity there, uh, and that's Susie. Hey, Susie, thanks for that. There's so so many opportunities to help our veterans with the transition with finding meaningful work, you know, not mm-hmm. work below what they have done and what they've got expertise and experience around. We've come a long way. It feels, and I'd love to look at st- statistics there, but it feels like we've come a long way to addressing that uh, in the last 20 years or so. But but in my conversations with veterans from from coast to coast and around the world, we still have a lot more a lot more heavy lifting to do to, to honor that commitment. I believe that we uh, that we have with veterans. Um, all right, so Greg. Uh, give us out of all everything we we touched on here today. This was like a uh, uh, we hadn't had one of these in a while. It was kind of like a Baskin Robbins supply chain buzz yeah. here today. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Look from economy to uh, e-commerce preferences to veterans, of course, to some of our shows. Uh, you name it. So what if if folks leave this live stream with one thing that they don't forget about? What would that one thing be from your perspective, Greg? I think we're going to see the economy. Let me let me set this up a little bit before I give that one thing. I think gotcha. we're going to see the economy, the markets um, go sideways for a good while, probably the next three plus years. Um, growth is going to be fairly slow. The market, the stock market, the public markets are going to be fairly slow. We've seen slowdowns in investment in even successful and well-established technology companies. Uh, so we'll start to see innovation slow down over the next uh, one to three, maybe even as much as five years. I think people have to pre- prepare for um, kind of a leveling off of things and just recognize that this is part of a cycle. It's part of a cycle that virtually two and two generations have never been through. Right. So it doesn't signal anything except a cycle. And it's easy in this uh, time where everything has to be a robust or, um, you know, a breakthrough story to get caught up in, in whatever the hype is. And you can see, as we've done these shows, I'm, you know, as we were talking about the economy, Scott, I was realizing that we see it going up, we see it going down, you see the market doing the same thing. And basically it is effectively going sideways or, you know, maybe slightly increasing or decreasing periodically. Yep. But you have to think about this on a longer time horizon and re- and realize that there are a lot of people taking the right approach right now, which is to curb spending, curb debt, definitely curb debt because the interest rates are so very high. And um, as someone who got trapped by that during the Great Recession, I can tell you that debt at a high rate is virtually impossible to get out of. Hmm. And And I think we have to be aware that now is the time for us to, I don't want to say buckle down, but to become right. very, very conscious of how you spend and what you spend and whether you need it or whether you want it. Um, 
the economy is telling us a lot of that right now with with prices and and um shipping you know it, the price of everything the price of shipping the price of products and that sort of thing people are starting to get there uh in terms of distinguishing between what they need and what they want mm. focus on what you need now focus on building a solid foundation or maintaining a solid foundation and be prepared when in the next like i said three to five years the economy starts to take off again yeah that's the thing i could say is is you know build your build your house on stone right i haven't heard that one in a while right now is the time to do that don't build it in little shifting sands or whatever hymn that uh, we always reference when we talk about that. Right. A strong foundation that you can spring off of and leverage off of. Well said there, Greg. And hey, <laughs> Joseph Moretta says, hey. I just saw that. <laughs> That's hilarious. If you did go out there solely yeah. out to LAX, solely for an In-N-Out Burger, no one would blame you, he says. I love that. That's true, and they shouldn't because it, it is worth it. Uh, that's right. Delicious. Okay. Well, folks, uh, we're going to wrap a few minutes early here on today's Supply Chain Buzz. Thank you all for being a part of the programming. Really appreciate all the comments and questions that were put in the chat. Greg, always a pleasure to knock this out with you. Safe travels. Likewise. Thank you. And we look forward to sharing in some good news in a few weeks. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Big thanks again to Amanda and Catherine and Chantel and every, all the folks behind the scenes for making, uh, allowing us to make, to make this happen here today. Folks, whatever you do, make sure you listen to the Startup Whisperer, one Greg White. But uh, hey, take action with some of these things, especially going back on the veterans things. I'm going to pound that until the day I die. And uh, to my last breath, find a practical way to help out someone in need, especially if they're a veteran. But you got to take action. Deeds, not words, is what it's all about. With that said, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.